We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. We are looking at Monday Midrash, uh, Genesis Rabbah, Chapter 1, uh, Midrash 11. Uh, who read last week? Nancy read last week? You read last week? You read last week? I did. Did you read last week? You weren't here last week. All right, you're on the hot seat. Rabbi Simon, in the name of Rabbi Yoshua Ben Levi Manzapak. Pak? Pak. Yeah. Manzapak. There's a mosaic halacha. It's a, as you can see in the Hebrew, it's an acronym. Okay, so. Uh, uh, I don't know what that means. Okay. Yeah, right. So Hebrew acronyms, because the in in classical Hebrew, there's there's not um, there's not no periods. Um, uh, so the way you show an acronym is by having a what what they call in Hebrew a chukchuk, a, uh, a a quotation mark between the next last letter and the last letter. Um, and that's how you know. So they would just there's one that you see all the time. Uh, well. Maybe not all the time, but there's one that that we that we commonly encounter, uh, which is the Hebrew year, right? Uh, so Tafshin Ein Chet. When you see that, you'll see the quotation mark between the next last letter and the last letter, right? So that shows you that you're not reading a word; you're reading a, an acronym. Uh, Okay, so this is a. Um, uh, you see, in the Haggadah, there's there's a, there's also a famous one. If you uh, if you know if you read the non the, the sort of like, you know, not greatest hits part of the Haggadah, but like when you're in the uh, um, Ten Plagues section, um, there's uh, one of the rabbis says there's a mnemonic to remember the Ten Plagues. You know, Datsach Adash Be'achav. Not sure why that's such a more helpful way of under- remembering the Ten Plagues, but there you go. And, and when you see it there, right, it, uh, if, in the Hebrew it's written in the same way. So anyway, so this is, um, so we haven't, Learn what Manatzpach is yet, uh, or Mansapach, or whatever you want to pronounce it. Uh, but uh, 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 we'll, we'll see it uh, in, in a few moments. Uh, but uh, anyway, it's um, it's what they call Halacha LeMoshe Misinai. In in Talmud class, have you come encountered that phrase Halacha LeMoshe Misinai? So what does that mean, halacha Moshe misinai, a, a mosaic halacha from Sinai in the English translation? Yeah, the, I guess that's a literal way of translating it. A law given to Moses at Mount Sinai. Important. It's super, so, right, so important, right? What else might we uh, infer from that phrase, a law given to Moses at Mount Sinai? Would that be oral Torah, or is there no way of knowing which? Good. Oral Torah, right? Because uh, if it were a law in the Torah, it would say this is a law from the Torah, right? Uh, But uh, a law given to Moses in Mount Sinai is something that's not in the Torah, that nevertheless we treat as sort of like immutable law. Um, In some ways it's like rabbinic shorthand for 
we do this thing or we know this thing to be a, a, a practice it, is, it, it must be old because everybody I've ever known uh, has done it and couldn't imagine doing things any differently but I don't know where it comes from so one of the um, most famous what? By default. By default. So we were just talking about tefillin before. Okay, if you look in uh, tractate Menachot in, in the Talmud, where, where tefillin are, are mostly discussed, um, basically everything about tefillin is halachala Moshe Misinai, is a law given to Moses at Mount Sinai. Right? So, okay, maybe it was actually like told to Moshe at, uh, at Mount Sinai, or maybe what the rabbis are saying is like, everyone wears tefillin like this, like it's got these leather straps and these boxes and it's got a shin on it, one of the shins has four branches, it, I don't really know much, you know, I don't know where it comes from, it's halachala Moshe Misinai, right? It's, it's, it's ancient, it's important, right? Uh, and it's mysterious, right? Um, it doesn't seem to have a direct, um, a direct connection to the Torah, right? So the fact that, you know, so the Tefillin, you, Shema says, you know, you, the, the, um, Deuteronomy says, you should bind the words of Torah as your arm, uh, on your arm as a, as a sign, okay? Um, but, like, with black leather straps, says who, right? What What is it in the Torah that, like, makes you think that that's what Tefillin should be? Like, why not, I don't know, why not uh, Red Ribbon, you know, why not the red string, right? Or, you know, uh, and, and, and why are we not, like, strapping this whole scroll to our arms rather than, you know, what's with the boxes and all that stuff, right? So there's no, there's no like, textual basis, really, in Torah for those things. That's what the rabbis say. It's halachal Moshe Misim. So whatever this manatzpach is or manzapach or whatever, right, it's one of those things. Marzipan, right. Um, uh, now, I will say uh, that Marzipan, uh, Rugalach in the Shuk at, uh, uh, in, in Jerusalem. Did you have that uh, Rugalach in, when we were in Jerusalem? Yeah, that's, that's Halacha Lemosha Messinai. That was, the recipe was, to that Rugalach was given to Moses in Mount Sinai, for sure. I'm not, I don't, you like it, huh? <laughs> I'm not convinced of many things in this world, but that is one of them. Manzabak, Mazapak, is a mosaic halacha from Sinai. Rabbi uh, Jeremiah said in the name of Rabbi Hia ben Abba, they are what the Zophim, i.e. the prophets, instituted. It once happened on a... Ah, okay, just, I, I just want to pause that for a second. Okay, so that's actually a disagreement that, uh, that, that uh, Rabbi Shimon in the name, or Simon in the name of Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi has with Rabbi Yirmiya uh, in the name of Rabbi Chia bar Abba. Rabbi Simon says that Mansabah is a law given to Moses at Mount Sinai. Rabbi uh, Yirmiya uh, says that uh, that they are instituted by the prophets. So if I were to, if you were to sketch out the hierarchy of the of that, uh, which is which is more significant, a law that was instituted by the prophets or a law given to Moses at Mount Sinai? Moses at Mount Sinai. Moses at Mount Sinai. Yeah, sure. You're pronouncing. Jeremiah as... Uh, Yirmiah is Yermia? what it would be in Hebrew, yeah. Yirmiah? Okay. Yeah. They are what the Sophim Institute. It once happened on a very stormy day that the... Like, like, much like this one in which we find ourselves. <laughs> that the, so what are we doing here? we got to go. <laughs> um, that the sages did not attend the House of Assembly, the Academy. Some children were there and they said, come and let us make a House of Assembly. 
why are there written two different forms when when that's okay why are, why are there written two different forms when the following letters come in the middle or end of a word respectively man two mams two nuns two tsadis tsadi and two pays okay let's just pause there for a second everybody understand the question Ah, okay. Why is there like right. a mem so feet and a nun so feet? Like, why why do we have to have two different versions of the same letter? Right. So you know that one that in and one one in the middle. Right. Exactly. Right. So when a mem comes at the beginning or or middle of a word, it looks one way. When it comes at the end of the word, it looks another way. When a when a nun comes at the beginning or middle of a word, it looks one way. End of the word looks another way. So. So anyway, so here's the story, right? Here's the scene. Is it's a, it's a, it was a dark and stormy day. Uh, the sages said, "I'm just gonna it's gonna be a Netflix and chill day." And um, <laughs> what? New lesson plan. New lesson, right? <laughs> and but like you know, this, <laughs> the t- all the teachers stayed home, but the kids all went to school, right? And uh, and so it became it was like Lord of the Flies, okay? But here's Lord of the Flies in, in rabbinic times was let's all like you know uh, uh, ask Torah questions together. Um, and so they, so they said, well, you know, like all the rabbis are home, so we'll be the rabbis today. And so what's the best rabbinic question we can come up with is, um, why are there two different versions of all of these letters? They're still asking the same question. Yeah. Right. I'm teaching kids that are in like second and third grade and they have the same questions. They're like, it doesn't fit in the song. We don't sing like, like... Right. Like we don't, we just sing the, the letters. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, I would say, you know, when I uh, uh, was teaching more formal conversion classes, and uh, we would do Hebrew language and all the, class, I mean, it was like easily the the like the top question, you know, why, why are there two different versions of, of this letter? Now, for, for English speakers, like, I, I wouldn't think that that would be such a complicated thing to grasp because there are different versions, you know, like capital and, not, and, and lowercase letters in English. So it's like not that crazy a thing, I guess. But, um, but anyway, yeah, right. It's okay. So that's the, true. We have like two separate alphabets. Though. I mean, that's yeah. the Plus cursive. Well, Hebrew is cursive, too. Well, it makes sense. Yeah, but even the cursive letter. has two different alphabets. But, like, in English, every letter has an uppercase and a lowercase, whereas, like, Hebrew, it's, like, only a few of them, which is weird. Yes, that is true. Would the Sophie be considered, like, lowercases or something like that? That's positional. Right, at the end. Yeah, for sure. But, like, what what's the lowercase, the regular alphabet of the Sophie's? Sorry, what's what's lowercase? Or is that not how it's no, thought of? Right. I guess it's not how it's thought of. It's only position, not Right, size. but if you see a, you know, just a chart, like you're saying, the song you're saying doesn't include the Sophie. Okay, oh, okay. So the main the letter is the one, and the Sophie is kind of Wait. added. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's just, it, and, and it's like, why? <laughs> I right. get it. Like, why? Why those? Right. So, okay. So, your second graders ask, right? And uh, and these second graders were, were asking, okay? So, why, why are there two different versions of, of all of these letters? Okay. Uh, and and the answer that they, that they come up with? It teaches that the Torah was transmitted from utterance to utterance, from faithful to faithful, from righteous to righteous, from out to out. And from hand to hand. Okay. Oh, is it, all right. Everybody see what they did here? 
He said that. You see what they did here? I think they're using the letters to explain the, the two different versions. Good. Right. So there's something. There's some. It's. It, it, it's. There's something. There's something um, special about those letters. Right. That's why they uniquely have different forms. And what they postulate is that the uh, is that those letters are are special because uh, they talk about how uh, how how Torah was uh, was uh, uh, transmitted, right? Um, or you know how, how Torah was passed down, right? So uh, from uh, from from Ma'amar to Ma'amar, so from from teaching to teaching, or from saying to saying, or, or from utterance to utterance. Um, uh, from uh, from from a faithful person to a faithful person, neeman to neeman, so that to mem nun uh, tzadik to tzadik, right? From a righteous person to a righteous person, mipel um, lepel uh, from mouth to mouth, mikaf uh, lekaf from from hand to hand, right? So you have all of those letters, right? Now, I don't know. Yeah, go ahead. So is this saying that like like? I don't know, this might be off, but like that people are kind of inherently a little bit different, so you're starting with one version of one letter, but you're, you're giving the information, like it's like mm-hmm. I'm handing something off to this other person they're not the same as me, but I'm handing it off to them, so like it's like almost like each word that has like two of the same letter, it's like you know, oh let's have, if it starts at none, and ends at none so feet, like I don't know I love that, I love that yeah, um uh, I think that, that that could very well be right. So that that you know, it's not being passed down to two identity. You know, it's not uh, uh, it, you know the, the words are the same, ma'amar to ma'amar, right? But uh, but what it's saying is that there are two different versions of those letters, right? Of of the of the mem. Right. So when when a teaching is passed down from one person to another, it's not passed down to an identical person. I love that. Love that. Other thoughts about this? From utterance to utterance, from the utterance of the Holy One, blessed be He, to the utterance of Moses. Okay, so so now it's explaining a little bit more about you know what what each of those things means, right? So utterance to utterance means uh, from from the the utterance of God, from a statement of God uh, to the utterance of Moses, right? Um, so I think that actually kind of goes along with with Maddie's point, right? That uh, that there's there's uh, as it as Torah is transmitted, it's passed down to 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 um, uh, to, to like you know radically different uh, types. From faithful to faithful, from the Almighty who is designated God faithful King, to Moses who is designated faithful, as it is written, He Moses is faithful in all my house. From righteous to righteous, from God who is designated righteous, as it is written, the Lord is righteous in all his ways. So Moses, who is designated righteous, as it is written, he executed the righteousness of the Lord. From mouth to mouth, from the mouth of the Holy One, blessed be he, to the mouth of Moses. From hand to hand, from the hand of the Holy One, blessed be he, to the hand of Moses. They completed them, and they grew to be great sages in Israel. Some say that they were Rabbi Eliezer, um, Rabbi Yoshua, and Rabbi Akiva. 
They applied to them the verse, even a child does not know who's doing this. Why is that interesting? The proper. Yeah, so what's interesting about it to you? Well, I think what they're saying is if you, Eliezer, Joshua, and Akiva were known by what they accomplished, by what they did, in the context here of implementing what God, uh, in essence, issued to Moses and through Moses to the people, the law. Any thoughts about this? Sometimes when we've gotten far away, and Rabbi Credit was saying, "Well, you know, what does it, not what does it refer back to?" But that the most important event was at Sinai, and the closer an event is to Sinai, the more important, the more holy it is. So, you know, this is another direction where we're moving away, but with um, people who are yeah so that's an interesting thing you know there's there's uh it, so there is this idea of uh, uh you know what's called yuridata dorot right uh, that uh, you know the, the that um, um you could actually measure it from from sinai you could actually even measure it before then you could measure it you know from from adam and eve you know in the people who were theoretically, like, you know, closest to God because they were made most directly by God, or Abraham, or something like that, right? The notion that, like, you know, with every subsequent generation, you get kind of, like, further and further away from uh, from, from the source. Um, and at the same, so, you know, like, I might have thought that about what, you know, like, I might have uh, thought that about this passage that, you know, this is saying, you know, like, the Torah is transmitted from, from God to Moses, and there seems like a, you know, there's a major step down. But then at the end, the, the end feels kind of subversive to that idea to me, right? That like, you know, these, these little kids who, you know, figured out this great secret became these great scholars and, and you know, were, you know were, were, were known or remembered or celebrated uh, for, uh, for, what we, for what we do, for what we accomplish, right? So uh, it seems to me that that, in a way, kind of undercuts the idea of Yuridat Hadorots, right? That, that by virtue of, like, you know, uh, where we are generationally, we're further away from, uh, uh, from, uh, from divinity, and yet, you have these people who are even further away than Moses is that uh, that that you know have this kind of position of really great prominence. I don't know this you know that like what you do defines you, not you know when you're born defines you. Well, each generation is going to need leaders that are faithful, that are truthful, righteous, and all of those other things that this was saying. So we still need people, and that's got to be passed down. Mm. What does it mean? It says they completed them. I'm not sure I understand what they're referencing there. What are they completing? The um, is that a bad English translation, or is well, no? I mean, it's a direct translation. So the, oh. the Hebrew says "v'siemu They they finished them. 
right? Uh, now, so what, what's the them is, a, is a, um, a, an interesting question. You know, looking at, the, at some of the commentaries here. Um, uh, the word here seems he executed the righteousness of the Lord, that nan. Um, seems to be what that's referring back to, at least in the context of this. I'm not sure about that, uh, because that's already a few steps up, right? And that's part, still part of that midrash about uh, about what those different you know letters stand for, right? So that's you know, so if, if the if the sadi, which is uh, which has a different form, and you know, uh, at the end of the word or not, um, stands for tzadik, and uh, it's you know mitzadik litzadik. So it's saying you know, so who's the who's from from the righteous to the righteous? Uh, God is called righteous, and Moses is called righteous. So Torah is passed down from from God to Moses. Is it possible that when they're saying these, these kids that grew up to be these great men completed them, it's kind of like when you hand something off to the next person, and you hand something off to the next person, they they sort of you know are passing something down, but there's all, there's sort of something there's something missing for the people. Like there's they're like oh it's just it, it it's like you get some of the information almost like telephone. And so you get some of the information, then these guys are like, okay, well, this means this, and that's what the people look like. It's like, I wonder if, like, they completed, like, these sort of abstract rules that, like, had no real, like, definition. They said, you know, hey, let, let, let's, make a, let's, let's make a definition for the people. Let's complete this statement and, you know, give them something to live by. Yeah, it could be. I mean, it, it's similar to what I would have thought about that phrase, that it means uh, that they... That they accomplished something that nobody else was able to accomplish, right? They they solved a puzzle that nobody else was able to solve, right? Um, uh, so the co- the, uh, the the commentary it's Yosef says that uh, that that trans- uh, um, explains it like like we've identified who these people are. Right, we've identified who who these kids were that solved this problem, and we realize that they are uh, that they uh, they they eventually became Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi uh, uh, Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Yoshua. Um, right, so that uh, um, uh, uh, it's not that that this like that they that that doing this midrash was itself anything special. Um, like the, the the it's not that they completed them. Translated here is like we've identified them. Like like not not CM, but more like Simon. Like we've uh, we've like like seen the sign of these people, right? So um, that's more how it you know it's like who who were these bright and brilliant students that were that 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 were you know that uh, solved this mystery, right? Or that uh, that that you explored this mystery or came up with this, you know, clever midrash, right? It was none other than Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Yoshua, and Rabbi Eliezer. Did you find something? Uh, yeah, it's, it, I mean, you kind of just said it. The translation here, and I don't know how much liberty is, but instead of saying they completed them, it says the sages took note of the children uh, and they filled in who advanced this uh, exposition, and indeed they arose as great sages among Israel. Some say that they were Eliezer, Yoshua, and Kiva. Yeah. 
Right, right. So, you know, it's like... The question of expanding knowledge. And we've talked about that a lot in this class. Yeah. As time goes on. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's like, you know, the, all of a sudden they imagine, you know, all of the, te- the, it stopped raining, the teachers showed back up, you know, or the next day they, you know, they, you know, these like kids say, you know, y'all were, y'all were gone yesterday and like, listen to this great midrash we came up with and the teacher's like, oh, that's interesting. We got to keep an eye on those kids and wouldn't you know it, right? They became, uh, Akiva and Yoshua and the second graders, yeah. What's that? We forgot about the second graders. We forgot about the second graders, right, right. Okay. Um, The the little rascals. Uh, um, But I do, I I like that, Nancy, you know, this this idea of um, the the potential of our students, right, which is, I think, inherent in the midrash that they come up with themselves, right, is that, you know, Moses is God's student, right, Um, and there's um, and it's and it's not, you know, to to your point, like it's not Yiridat Hadorot, right? It's still it's 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 tzaddik to tzaddik. Like there's a there's a parody there, right? There may be a difference in terms of like who the person is. So there's you know some distinction, but uh, but it's tzaddik to tzaddik. It's not tzaddik gadol to tzaddik katan, which you might think because we're talking about God to Moses, right? But like the words are the same. You know, so this this idea of you know um, uh, everything comes back to Star Wars. Yoda talks about this a lot in the Last Jedi of you know of uh, of um, students surpassing their masters and um, uh, and and going in surprising directions, right? And so, like you know, teachers usually think of their students as inferior, right? But here you have a case of you know students. Um, uh, uh, being on sort of like an even playing field, supplanting the masters, and and wouldn't you know it? Like these students, be that wouldn't you know these students became like these great scholars? But like if you follow the logic of the midrash, of course those students became great scholars, right? Because that's what students do. That's cool. Well, if you've taught for a long time, um, you do find former students who have really gone on and not everybody, but but who have gone on and excelled in ways that that sometimes you recognized as a teacher when they were younger, and, and sometimes it just kind of floored you because you had no idea that that would come. So it would be either yeah. either way. Either way, right, yeah. right. But I just want you know, I wonder, right, uh, you know, um, right, because I mean, the the, uh, the 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 vantage point of the midrash is already. You know, well after the time of Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Yeshua, and Rabbi Tarfon, right? So, so for them, they already know who those people are. Were right? Uh, they're like really special people. So they're thinking, they're sort of constructing this narrative. Um, uh, uh, if you were inside the narrative, the teachers might have been like, like, you know, I can't believe that these kids ended up becoming, right, you know, these great scholars. Jail, what happened to you? <laughs> right, right, exactly. Uh, well, you know, they're, you know, they're. Uh, they're, they're what's that? <laughs> yeah, one or two of my students did go there, and then one or two of them are pretty amazing. Right. But sometimes you know what you, what you think is going to be the direction of them. Is oh yeah, the opposite. So. I really like this idea that, like, you know, we're all given the same words, and like, like I think it sort of encourages like what we're even doing now. That like 
you can look at them with a fresh set of eyes, and that's not to be discounted. Just because your great-great-great-great-grandfather didn't look at it that way doesn't mean that the way that you're looking at it isn't true in its own way. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole lot there before. The, can you say more about that? What did you say? I think that's the whole idea of Torah. I mean, Torah, you know, there's, it's, it's finite to the extent of the letters in the Torah. But what's more important is, is not what's written, it's, it's what it says. What we take. You know, to each of us. And uh, which can be very different. Uh, I mean, I look at the Torah portion long before Shabbat and come to my conclusion of what, what it says to me. Then I walk into shul on Saturday and this guy over here <laughs> takes out his cannon and shoots a big hole through the whole thing. <laughs> and he gives me a whole new perspective. It's fascinating. It really is. I'm, all, I'm also kind of like uh, taken with this debate about uh, uh, you know uh, you know it, is this a law from Moses at Sinai, a law to Moses at Sinai, or is it something that um, that the uh, Sophim, you know, so if you want prophets, but you know, it's interesting, I mean, prophets is not the normal term for, not, Sophim is not the normal term for prophets, right? Nevi'im is the normal term for prophets. Sophim, yeah, right. So today, modern Hebrew, scouts. so being more scouts, scouts, like the Israeli scouts, like the kids who like come, you know, they do like the caravan and come to Richmond, right? It's Sophim. Um, uh, like Sophia is like to, it, so prophecy is a good way of thinking about it. Like the scouta is like to kind of like, you know, see far ahead, right? Um, but I would, I would say it's more like, like visionaries, right? Than prophets, Right, um, you know, so there's this, uh, there's this, like already at the very beginning of the midrash, there's this interplay between, um, uh, you know, something that we kind of, uh, um, uh, you know, accept on, you know, accept on faith from our ancestors, and something that we like basically innovate that, you know, that hasn't yet come to pass, right? Um, you know, and 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 maybe there's the both of those are necessary at the same time, right? That that you that you take what you've received, but you also make it new when you receive it. You know, so that uh, so that, you know Moses receives the Torah from God, right? Uh, but but he's got a um, it's not just a carbon copy. If it were a carbon copy, it would be lesser, right? Because every time you Xerox something, it's it's a lower quality than, right? Whenever I hear something from somebody, it's uh, maybe lower quality isn't the right word, but it's 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 diminished in a way from when it was spoken to me. Right? It's processed, it's understood probably less perfectly than the person who gave it to me, right? Unless you say that it's understood however it's understood, and then it's made new by the person who hears it or by who receives it, right? There's that dynamic of Torah that it, it has to be both received and given, right? It has to be both, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, passed down and innovated simultaneously uh, in order for there to be parity between the person giving it and the person receiving it. Right? So Moses becomes equal to God. Uh, you know, he becomes tzaddik to tzaddik or ne'eman to ne'eman or, or uh, uh, um, 
uh, you know, pair to pair, whatever it is, right? Uh, by virtue of adding something novel to the process of Torah. And that's exactly what these students do, right? They don't just, they don't get in the study hall and, uh, you know, just like, let's, let's just review everything we were taught the day before, right? They say, we're going to solve this problem of Torah that we, that nobody's ever tackled before. We got to do it in a new way. Second grade, right? <laughs> well, they may not have been second graders. That, that was that was like Natty offered. They want them to be like rabbi babies, like Muppet babies, right. but like but right with little three year old pants. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and then like you know, and then like uh, uh, Hillel shows up, but you can only see him from the knee down. Like, <laughs> um, Right. <laughs> or it's, you just hear the wah wah from um, was it Charlie Brown? Oh, yeah. Charlie Brown. Yeah. yeah. But he would be like, well, like. Um. This is making me want to go back and listen to um, Rabbi Artson's um, uh, message to my class when we were ordained. Like he every year gives an ordination address, and I don't remember. It verbatim, but the the message was was basically that, and so it's kind of stuck with me it's that you know you have you have a dual responsibility as a as a rabbi. You know, one is um, to uh, uh, to be to be true to the tradition as you've received it, right? Um, but also, like you can't stop there. You have a a a, a parallel responsibility or equal responsibility to innovate from within the tradition to offer new Torah in the world. Right to, to add Torah, um, and you, you know you can't you can't add Torah without having Torah that you've received. Otherwise, you're it's it's something that's uh, not Torah, right? Uh, but you can't stop by just receiving Torah. Otherwise, it's also not Torah, right? Because Torah is always part of that dynamic of of uh, of receiving and giving, you know, um, uh, accepting and innovating. Um, if I find if I if I find that uh, the audio of it, I can I can probably send it off to to you guys if you're interested. Heard my grandson, uh, Ari's mm-hmm. one of the, and he's no longer at RTA. He's over at Stewart. But one of the things he loved to do last year at, at RTA was the tour portion. And so I, I happened to pick him up the other day. And he starts talking about the Torah portion. And we had this fantastic conversation. It was just fascinating. Hmm. Um, it's just neat what comes out of little kids' mouths. It's amazing. How old is your grandson? Eight. He's, he's, he's a second grader. He's a second grader. He's a, so I'm thinking about this because, because my kindergartner um, is like, you know, very opposed to like like uh, uh, innovations in what she's learning, you know. So like like everything that she receives, whether it's from me or whether it's from her teacher, it's like very concrete, right? It's like like this is what it is, and it's how it happened, and you know you have to get uh, uh, like past that developmental stage, I think, to um, to start you know allowing yourself to be creative with with what you're hearing. And where where his conversation came from was the prior Sunday when he had. Yeah, Hazan had sat down. Mm-hmm. And he went over the tour. Hmm. 
Say that again, because I sat down and what? Sat down with him and discussed the tour. Oh. So like his is it his um his is the this past week's tour portion? Uh, it's like two weeks. Ago. Okay, cool. That's cool. That's the best part about rabbinic Judaism. I think it makes it relevant to us. Like you know, like the same. Like if we're talking about the rule of you know don't mix like linen and something else to or wool or something right. like to make clothes. You know, like like. Like that's something in all of our poly blends right now. Like, like what what is that meaning to us? So like to take something like that and say like you know don't do the same things as the idolatrous cultures or don't do like like I don't know like just taking taking something that has absolutely no context for us and making it into something that we can relate to is just like that's the only way it's gonna stay relevant. Like you're saying. Yeah, the, the, the trick is um, how to do that while also keeping the tradition as it has been received in practice as a living and, and, and vital thing as well, right? So, in other words, you might say that, you know, the, that what, what the Torah is really getting at there is um, that we, you know, that, that, uh, that, that, that God created distinct things for a reason and we should not in, you know, in, in other words, like play God by like, you know, combining what God has kept distinct, right? So God created like a wool thing and a linen thing. Don't put them together. Um, and so that means, you know, I don't know, maybe that means we shouldn't create rayon or something like that, right? And this, we shouldn't be wearing those kind of fabrics. It might mean that and it might be worth applying that to our lives, but that doesn't necessarily negate uh, the commandment to not wear wool and linen together either, right? You know, in other words, like, like that still lives. Um, uh, that, that, uh, that, that just because you found a novel interpretation for it, like that's Torah too, but we can't forget that the, the thing that you're basing that interpretation off of is still Torah. Right? Is that what I'm saying makes sense there? Well, yeah. If, yeah. It, if it wasn't still Torah, you wouldn't be discussing it. It would be dead. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So. Like when you reference back to like the the book that or the academic journal that you got a source from, you know, you you you're using it in a totally new context in the paper that you're writing. Right. But you sort of have to go back and check that what what am I saying? Where is it coming from? What is the basis of this? Is it you know? It's uh, uh my my one of my teachers, uh, Mimi Feigelson. She uh, someone's asked her once, like, what does it mean to be a chassid? What does it mean? Because she's very you know she's uh, she's very into uh, Hasidic tradition. You met her? Mm-hmm. Where'd you meet her? She's at a Kavod Ben Yichum conference. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's quite a presence. She is. She's quite a presence. Um, hi, Remy, me if you're watching this. Um, <laughs> she has watched once or twice before. Um, but uh, and, and Remy, if you're watching this, I know you'll correct me if I get this wrong. Okay. So, um, but she said once to me that, um, or in answer to a question, said being a chassid to her meant uh, this is only part of her answer but stuck with me. It's that um, you have to be able to read Torah uh, and hold at the same time 
the four different uh, levels of uh, interpretation as all being simultaneously true. You guys know this idea that there are four levels of interpreting Torah? So it goes by the, another acronym with, with one of the quotation marks in it. Uh, pardes. Okay, so it's also the Hebrew word for paradise. Like the institute, that's where, where its name comes from. The paradise or an orchard is also called a pardes. Hey, pardes stands for pshat, remez, drash, and sod. Pshat, remez, drash, and sod. So pshat, you may know what pshat means? We've talked about this, but I do forget. It's like the basis? Straight up what it is. Yeah, right. Pshat is like, uh, for the, the modern Hebrew word is pashut, like simple, right? So there are different ways of understanding what, what pshat means. Like sometimes people like to translate it as contextual meaning of the of the verse. You know, I mean, you know, uh, Supreme Court justices uh, argue all the time over what the simple meaning of a of a passage from the Constitution is, um, uh, because it's a simple meaning like what the authors meant when they wrote it, or like what a plain reader of the language would uh, understand that phrase to mean. It's like you know? literal. Yeah. So so shot could mean literal. Um, but it isn't always literal, you know, and sometimes literal is a hard thing to kind of uh, pin down. Um, so pshat is not quite as simple as the name pshat uh, leads to believe. But yeah, like, you know, I, I kind of think of it like, you know, if um, if I, uh, if I like, were a fluent speaker of biblical Hebrew, you know, um, what would be the, the simplest way that I would understand what that verse is talking about, or that phrase is talking about, right? Um so it's like some, you know, somebody who spoke 18th century English, like how would they, what would be the like, you know, simplest way that they would translate the, fra- the passage, you know, um, uh, uh, a, a well-trained, well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep their arms shall not be uh, denied, right? Denied or infringed? Um, anyway, right? So, so you know, so if, if I were a speaker of biblical Hebrew and I came across the, the phrase "Brishi Baralahim and the Shemayim you know, what would that mean to me, right? Um, and so that's pshat, right? And then, and then remez is uh, is is like what is implied by the text, but but that the text may not say explicitly, right? So remez means hint. Um, drash is what we're looking at now, right? It's, it's midrash. It's you know. It's, um, it can be explanations. It can be. Um, uh, it can be like um, uh, uh, resolutions to difficulties or questions that are raised by the text. Uh, it can be uh, filling in the gaps of the narrative. So it's not necessarily what's implied by a text, which would be remez. But um, uh, but what 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 sorts of information would uh, would enrich our understanding of this passage, right? So, like, you know, the best things I can think of are, uh, which we haven't gotten to yet, are like, you know, all we know about Abraham is, that, or Abram before he's called by God, is that uh, he, who his father was and who his siblings were, and that they started traveling from their, from, uh, um, uh, from Urkastim to, uh, to Haran. Uh, or the, and that's all we know about him. And then God calls Abraham and says, Lech lecha right? And so, you know, like, why is it that God's calling? Like, like, why is God speaking to this guy? You know, like, who is this guy? We just, like, we, 
we know his father is. We don't really know anything about his father, right? So a drosh is like helping me resolve that question. Like, like who is this Abraham guy? And like, why is it that God is bothering with him? Right. Um, that's, that's drosh. Uh, and then, and then sod is, is, is secret, right? So that's sort of like Kabbalah. That's like the mystical meaning of the passage, right? Uh, you know, what's, what, what, what does this reveal about the nature of God that we, you know, um, that's, it kind of looks like the Torah as like a code almost, right? To, to see some kind of mystical, deeper spiritual meaning. And so what Rabini says is that you have to like, to be a chassid, you have to be able to see the Torah all those four different ways at the same time. Um, how do we get on that subject? Oh, right. The, um, because, um, uh, uh, because, right, so if I were looking at the passage on Shatnez, right, um, that I would need to be able to say, okay, you know, like, like, what does it mean in all those different levels, right? Um, so it still means I can't wear wool and linen together. Um, so, you know, maybe that's Pshat, right? Uh, but it also means the, like, drosh thing that I, that I said. And it also is talking about how God's attributes of mercy and justice uh, are not t- intertwined together. They operate in different spheres. Of be- I'm just making this up, right? It means all of that simultaneously. That's hard to remember all those things at the same time. It's hard. Hey, maybe that's tough. <laughs> You're not a chassid yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> Me neither, apparently. Um, no, it is hard. It is hard. It's just so many levels like at the same time. So what was the term for the, le- for the mystical one? Sowed. Sowed? Yeah. Uh, in, in Hebrew, it's Samech Bav Dalid. In English, I'd write it usually as S-O-D. S-O-D. And you have to, like, read it, and then you have to say, oh, what are all the euphemisms in this? And then, like, okay, let's, like, annotate it and say what it's also talking about, and what does it say about the time? And what is it, you know? Right. And you're like, okay, so now it's already English. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, right. I mean, the, I mean, the truth is, you know, this, uh, you know, um, uh, my, my friends in the Orthodox world probably, probably wouldn't admit this, but like you could do that for basically any written text, right? We do it for Torah because we love Torah, right? Um, but there's, but there's nothing I would say inherently unique about Torah that enables that kind of reading. Um, Maybe, I mean, maybe there is a little bit because of the, like, your terseness of the language and the kind of text that it is, but I don't see why you couldn't, you know, live in the same, you know, like, swim in the same waters with Shakespeare or, you know, like, other other kinds of good literature. Um, could do this with anything. You yeah, law, the right, or constitution, right? I mean, you know, the, the ultra-conservatives are stuck in the first ones, so maybe. Right, right. Um, and their oral Torah is the preamble or whatever, like, um, or not, not, not for the Constitution. What is this? Is this um, the, the Declaration of Independence? Right. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Like that kind of context. Like, yeah, it's saying it's saying like you know, we. This is a known rule. Like this is this is something that we don't have to write because it's well, known. We're gonna write it. Well, right. So the, with the idea, right? So that's like that's like a law to Moses at Mount Sinai, right? Okay. We, this truth is self-evident that all men are created equal. Says who? That it's self-evident, right? Um, there's no. There's a, the, the argument essentially is that there's no there's no proof for it, right? It's it's just a, it's a, it's evident. Yeah, right? They didn't have to do it. 
What? So that's why they didn't have to do it, even after they said it. But <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> when you think about it, I mean, you know, the whole premise of, of that statement really is that what we are designing comes from God. Right. That's what they would think. Right. Um, and if they st- if they stop for for even half a second to think of what they were saying and its true import, they would have pinned themselves against a wall and beat themselves. I mean, you know, the fact that they all had slaves is ridiculous. You know, so I mean, the <laughs> right. They're saying this inherent truth, and they're not even thinking about how it's relating to like everyone except for us. You know, it, um, but listen, they weren't the first to encounter that problem, right? The, the premise of Torah is that our God is a God that liberates slaves. And not two chapters later do we get laws uh, about, about owning slaves that are not, thou shalt not own slaves, right? Um, so, you know, it's uh, uh, unfortunately not something that was unique to the founding fathers, Um but but again, you know, so I mean, that's part of, um, uh, you know, it, it was, we were having this conversation uh, at our Encounter RVA program uh, earlier in the week, and you know, I think that that's you know that's that's part of. Let's say that's also in some ways what the reform movement does. I, I would say it's more of a feature of conservative Judaism that tries to um, distill what the. Um, uh, what what the like you know the, the 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 foundational moral principles of Judaism are, and to ins- and to make sure that the, the the tradition as its practice is uh, uh, conforms to those principles, right? And it doesn't always do that naturally, you know. So um, uh, you know the the, uh, the I think a really good example of that is if you were to read if you read. Uh, Elliot Dorff's was he wasn't only his, but uh, Elliot Dorff, Danny Nevins, and uh, Avram Reisner, their paper on homosexuality. Right? That's essentially what they argued. Said that um, they actually had a halachic argument for this because the Talmud talks about this too. They just make it up. Um, but uh, said you know one of the foundational moral principles of Judaism is that uh, every human being um, is created by God in the image of God and therefore has uh, has has infinite worth, infinite value. Uh, 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 unimpeachable dignity, um, and uh, and so the the Talmud evokes that principle, invokes that principle in a number of cases to say that you can uh, set aside prohibitions uh, or violate prohibitions uh, that that are clear prohibitions in the Torah in order to preserve human dignity. Right. So the Talmud already has this has the sense of you know something uh, as it's practiced uh, violates. Uh, you know, a, a moral principle that's that is itself within the tradition, right? It's not outside the tradition, itself within the tradition. Then we then we set aside that uh, that that prohibition in order to uphold the principle, right? Um, so that was their argument in that in in that paper. Um, uh, uh, so I, I think I think you you. Uh, uh, I don't even remember how we got on that subject, um, <laughs> but uh, that's the second time it's happened to me today. Um, I, mean, I think, it would, but uh, it's you know, it's it's the it's the same thing. I think you know, that we have uh, in 
constitutional analysis today is I think you have people like um, like you know Justice Ginsburg who is um, uh, uh, who who will look to you know uh, overarching statements like you know. Uh, that the, the premise that all people are created equal or the preamble of the constitution that says, you know, everything that we're doing here is in order to create a more perfect union, uh, to, you know, ensure, uh, to promote the general welfare and ensure domestic tranquility and all those things. And it says, you know, the, this, this law as it's being applied is violating those over, those more overarching values. Um, it doesn't matter whether or not that's exactly the language of how it's written, right? It's, 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 uh, not a accomplishing the thing that it's supposed to be uh, uh, promulgated to accomplish, right? Um, and so, so rabbis look at Torah uh, from time to time and say that too. So, I mean, you know, uh, oh, we got in that talking about slavery, right? So uh, over time, you know, the rabbis legislated slavery out of the Torah because, uh, because they couldn't hold that intention together of, of a God who liberates slaves and yet we're allowed to have slaves. Um, uh, they couldn't hold in, in, in harmony uh, the the, um, the 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 all, the the many kind of I think very striking um, uh, 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 you know gender egalitarian uh, uh, teachings of Torah um, you know the, the way uh, that uh, the the role that women play in the stories and the, the 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 way in which we're supposed to treat other people because they're other they're human beings as well and women are human beings too right uh, and that uh, um, uh, that 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 men could divorce their wives you know against their will or marry multiple women right so we rabbis that like legislated that out of the tradition because of uh, because of those things so I mean it's happened throughout throughout history um, but that that I think is an example of the ways that uh, that that um, you know, sometimes when you hold those four things together, Pshat Rabbis draws from Sod, uh, it means that uh, you, it, you you become compelled to reinterpret one of those things in light of the other, or reapply one of those things in light of the other. So it may not always be the case, going back to your what you said about Shatnez, right? It may not always be the case that um, I keep on uh, refraining from wearing wool and linen together even when I have the new interpretation, because it could be that the, that the new interpretation that I came upon negates the old one, depending on what's happening. Um, uh, and, and so here, I think, is, a, is, is a, um, what we had in this midrash is, a, is, I think, a really beautiful example of, of that, of, of this sort of like innovation within, within the tradition itself.